Welcome to the Art Stays Here Coalition's new podcast series, Culture Crisis Conversations. In the series, we'll hear from folks affected by the ongoing arts, music, and cultural displacement that's happening across the country. These include artists, musicians, and other creatives, as well as developers, policymakers, funders, operators, arts and cultural leaders, and more. They will share their stories and their own voices to best communicate the impact that cultural displacement has had on individuals and communities and how we can choose to make it stop. Welcome to Culture Crisis Conversations, the podcast series by the Art Stays Here Coalition. My name is Amy Bennett. I am a longtime arts administrator and volunteer member of the Art Stays Here Coalition. And I am Ethan Dusso. I am a co-owner, co-operator, head engineer of New Alliance Audio in Somerville, Mass. And I am a volunteer with the Art Stays Here Coalition. Tonight, we are having a conversation which is part two of FAB. And what we mean by FAB is the Fabrication District in Somerville. In part one, we uh, kind of did the first part of unpacking what is the Fabrication District and what is the ACE requirement. So right now we'll just give a couple of sentences about what that is. Yeah, so the Fabrication District is a kind of like the unsung hero of the zoning overhaul that happened in 2019. Basically, it's a district in the zoning code that is centered around keeping and preserving uh, the arts and creative economy inside the Somerville boundary. And the ACE requirements are something that exists in multiple zones, but in particular in the FAB district, which is basically all the commercial leasable space on the property. 5% of that has to be set aside for arts and creative enterprise use. Arts and creative enterprise has a pretty broad definition, but in a nutshell, think painting studios, sculpting studios, music rehearsal, music recording, boutique bag making, boutique wood shop, et cetera, et cetera. And that includes also things like actually uh, culinary incubators and startups in the arts and creative sector. Right. So if you listen to part one, which we encourage you to do, you can learn a little bit more how it came to be, why it's important and why we're talking about it. And here in part two, we're going to get into the why we're talking about it, why it's important, why some people believe that it's under threat and why Art Stays Here is leading a campaign called Don't F With Fab, which is about protecting the fabrication district and ACE uses. So why don't we talk about what's going on in Somerville? But first, let's talk a little bit about Union Square Neighborhood Council in terms of their role in leading a process about a community benefit agreement. Yeah. So when I talk about this with folks, I tend to list the process and the procedural levers and the the code levers that we can pull in terms of preserving and expanding arts and creative space. So that's the FAB district, that's the H requirements. And then the third thing is the Community Benefits Agreement, or CBA. And in Union Square, Somerville, the organizing body uh, that handles negotiating community benefits agreements between the community, property owners, or developers as they do new development projects as the Union Square Neighborhood Council. And a CBA, Community Benefits Agreement, is a legally binding contract between the developer and the community via this body, which is elected by the neighborhood. 
Great. And uh, just a little side note, there's uh, 15 elected members on the board of directors for Union Square Neighborhood Council. You can visit their website. We'll actually be doing an episode with them shortly. So let's do a little overview of the development that has recently happened and is going on in Union Square. Yeah. So just prior and just after the zoning ordinance in 2019 was passed, there were major development plans being made in the Union Square area. And that mostly affected the square itself and Boynton Yards, which is the part of town that's right next to the Union Square area. And can you talk about the T, the MBTA Green Line extension and how Mm -hmm. that plays into it? Yeah. And and basically the uh, Green Line Union Square stop drops you right in between Boynton Yards and Union Square. So if you were to, if there were to be a boundary of those two parts of town, the Green Line stop that ends at Union Square is right in the middle of those two things. And uh, Massachusetts and other states have put forth um, not so much requirements, but like ethos around building dense housing around public transport centers. Mm-hmm. Life, but just dense, dense, like, you know, all aspects of life. If you're, you know, around those transit hubs, you know. So those two things are very connected, meaning development or redevelopment as well as transportation hubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So around the Union Square stop is a giant housing building and giant office buildings. And like these are the, new, the latest buildings to go up in the area. And uh, they are a mixture of commercial and residential. And they're right next to the Green Line stop. And were they required to do this 5% ACE set aside in their new development? Yeah. The way the ACE works is um, in the zones where it's required, such as mid-rise 6 through 8 and high-rise, and then FAB, commercial business, commercial core. The requirement is 5% per commercial leasable space. So the housing stuff that went up doesn't pump up the ACE requirement number, only the commercial footprint does. And And so my understanding is that they bought the Windsor Ave building that was the Taza Chocolate Building, 561, mm-hmm. and that is now the Boynton Yards Hive, and everything in there is ACE, because they've, instead of yeah, yeah. property by property, they've just kind of put all their ACE into one bucket. Sort of. It's so they, a lot of the stuff in that area uh, was considered teardown or is teardown, with the exception of a few spots and the 561 Windsor spot known as the hive is a building that was they were like okay we're going to keep this building and that will contribute to our five percent requirement so it it doesn't fulfill the entire five percent requirement that or ten percent i think there may have been an agreement for ten percent at this particular spot i'm not sure but but point is is that the building itself isn't big enough to meet the whole requirement so it is probably going to be entirely ace by the end of the story but it won't be the end of ACE requirements in that area. There right. will be more. And so Taza is still there to some degree. QRST uh, is still there. They're still recording. There's a couple of sound studios. Um, yep. And um, um, and a bunch a, of creative a, small businesses. Yeah, there's like there's a there's a um, group that works with the youth, like really like kids, like children, and they do lots of creative projects in there. So it's kind of like a creative um, nonprofit. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Youth serving nonprofit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, most recently, the Hive and the Somerville Arts Council have partnered together to do some dance on the first floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the um, much needed resources in the arts scene in Somerville is space for performing arts rehearsal. And so 
Somerville Arts Council with the 561 Windsor folks managed to come to an agreement to create a space over in that building for that purpose. So that's really great. I had doubt that had ACE requirements not been a part of the picture, if that would have panned out that way. So thank you for the ACE requirements. Absolutely. And we believe at the time of this recording in February 2024, there is still some available arts ACE space over there. So get in touch with the Hive. So now we want to move over to what's happening at 321 Washington Street, just a few arm's lengths from Boynton Yards. So now we're getting into the challenge, so to speak, because, uh, you know, the, the US2 and the Boynton Yards thing is pretty much that's that's been negotiated, that's been dealt with, and the plan is it's in baked. Mo- it's in motion. It's happening. But there are a few other things that are happening in town that are directly in the FAB wheelhouse, so to speak. <laughs> the FAB district is only roughly 2% of the entire Somerville Atlas, the map. Uh, so it's a very limited district in terms of its size in the city. Most of the city is neighborhood residential or urban residential. And so there are there are three parcels that I can think of off the top of my head, or three chunks of parcels that are owned by three groups, right? And they're all sizable fabrication areas, okay? It's a lot of, lot of square footage, a lot of acreage. So if you added all three of them up, I'm guessing you're going to you're going to come close to 50% or more of the entire fabrication district in Somerville. So this first one you mentioned, 321 Washington Street is right across the tracks from where we're recording right now. It's a giant fabrication building and across from that on the same parcel is the Washington Street Art Center. And we discovered very recently within the last couple of weeks that the management company filed a what is known as a zoning map amendment with the city of Somerville to change the zoning map so that this parcel would be no longer fab, but commercial industry. And this is a challenge for two big reasons with, a, with some extra details in there. First, first is that this is a really big chunk of fabrication land. Second, if it goes from fab to commercial industry, we lose the ACE requirement. So if it gets changed from fab to commercial industry and they decide to develop, whatever's developed won't have an ACE requirement anymore. There, will, there won't be a 5% set aside for arts and creative enterprise on this, on this piece of land if it, if it goes through. And then thirdly, or secondly, depending on how you were counting all that, if it changes from fab to CI and they do do a development and, a, and a, more variances come into play with that development and they have to engage in a CBA with the Union Square Neighborhood Council, the artists don't really have much leverage in that conversation because it's no longer fab, which is centered around arts and creative economy, and there's no longer an ACE requirement. So there's really nothing, there's no levers to pull on that for the arts and creative sector of Somerville to the degree that there would be if it was fab. If it was fab, then there'd be a lot of handle to grab onto. And so there's three big sections of town where property owners are seeking changes. And so it's kind of like a all hands on deck, like hair on fire moment, even though it doesn't feel like it. It's kind of like the um, the lobster in a boiling pot. You know, the water starts cold, you know, and it's slow boil. It's slow to get up there. But if you connect the dots here. The water's already boiling. If you connect the dots and my hope is that if you're paying attention, know that the water is boiling and we need all the help we can get. The arts need all the help we can get. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the process around 321 Washington Street. So the owners filed an amendment change. There was a hearing, which was last week, last Thursday Mm -hmm. on Zoom. And lots of people were there to speak against the zoning change. There wasn't even one 
person there who spoke for it. Including the property management company that filed the... Request? Request, yeah. Okay. There was something like 50 people on, and the chair made a point to say, I'm assuming you all are here to talk about fab. And uh, he was correct. (laughs) (laughs) Because we sat through an hour of people talking about how important fab was to them. Yeah. And why why this zoning change is is very likely... um, Detrimental to the city of Somerville. So what was really great to hear, and that um, that recording exists online through the city of Somerville and also on the don'tfwithfab.org website, if you want to hear all that testimony, is, you know, there are all different kinds of people, not just people like us, arts advocates or artists who are impacted, but neighbors of the area, patrons of Washington Street Art Center, even some folks from city council and people, this was the part that kind of struck me, people that were the constructors of the fabrication district and all the work that went into it in 2017 and 18 for it to get passed in 2019. And some people were like, why why are we here discussing something that we spent so much time creating? Well, the the truth of the matter is is that it does seem like on the one hand like why are we here? Like A 2019 wasn't that long ago. B the fabrication district is already small enough. But C on the other hand, the zoning ordinance is designed to be amended and to grow with the needs of the city and the property owners, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what we saw at the joint hearing between um, Somerville's city council subcommittee on land use and the city's planning board, Somerville planning board, um, was that people are paying attention and that it's far too soon to be making drastic changes like this to the fabrication map, especially when Washington Street Arts Center sits on this property is valued and beloved in the community. And if it were to change to CI, you could argue that that ACE requirement's what's keeping them there. And if that ACE requirement goes away, who knows how much time Washington Street Art Center would have left there, right? So that's about Washington Street and that parcel. But what about the other thing that um, this was a lot of people spoke about the precedent that it would cause? Correct. So there are two more big chunks of fab that have property owners that are interested in doing other things outside of the fab district on these on these pieces of land. And this is why connecting the dots is important. Yeah. So again, like the fabrication district is only so big. And so like when you make one of these changes, you're taking a giant chunk out of the fab district. This resource that was explicitly set aside to be restrictive in terms of what you can do there. Like you're not allowed to do housing. You're not allowed to do biotech research and de- development and laboratory, et cetera. This was all by design. They're like, you have you're not to, allowed to build more than four floors. You're not allowed to build more than four floors. Right. It's like the idea in, in essence was to say, you know what, maybe just keep those old buildings and let them become naturally occurring, affordable arts workspace over time. Naturally occurring. Affordable arts workspace. Okay. So let's talk about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. So give an example. Well, we're in it. The Milk Rose Studios building right next to the Milk Rose Cemetery, which is one of the oldest Civil War landmarks, monuments in the country, is a building from the late 1800s. And it took about 7,500 years or whatever for it to become this arts building that is loved in the city of Somerville by so many. So what you mean is, is that when some of these buildings that are now protected in Fabrication District were created in the industrial part of our nation's history, that 
over time, their uses changed because yes. industry changed, cities changed, mm-hmm. sub- suburbs happened. Yep. And if it sticks around long enough, it, it, it will eventually become a use of artists in the creative sector because we're willing to rent it. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're very unique environments. They're very basic. There's not a lot of bells and whistles. There's no gym. There's no spa. There's no sauna. There's no central AC. There's no central AC. There's no HVAC. There's no daycare. And so only so many people find these spaces attractive. And artists like the quirkiness. They embrace the quirkiness. Um, and it's usually aff- more affordable. And because these buildings are not really for modern market rate businesses and residences, artists are able because, you know, let's face it, the creative economy operates on a different plane of existence. Mm-hmm. And so most people from their work, even if they're full time and they make, and they make their living from their art are still not making bank. And so they need these affordable arts workspaces somewhere in the range of, you know, 10 to $25 a square foot, depending on how big or small the space is. And, you know, where, I mean, nowadays we're talking like market rate retail is like 40 something. And then depending on the lab, it's like, it can go anywhere from like 80 to 200, you know, and you know, what artist is going to be able to afford that, especially when, you know, we can't even get Spotify to pay artists for streaming, or we can't even get Netflix to pay writers to write shows or prop makers to get properly paid for their props that appear in the latest episode of whatever show or movie. So there's a bigger question, a bigger challenge here for everybody. But this is, I feel like a chunk that's manageable because it already exists in a lot of places. So, you know, we've got like five buildings like this in some, or roughly in Somerville. And the idea of fab is to keep those buildings, the affordable arts workspaces that they are. And also they identified other buildings like it that in time could become the same thing. Mm-hmm. So let's um, also just for folks who may not necessarily be exactly familiar with Somerville Arts landscape. So we have Joy Street Studios, which is in the Brick Bottom neighborhood. That's in a fab district. Milk Row Studios, where we are now. Also in a fab district. Miller Street Studios in a fab district. Vernon Vernon Street in a fab district. And uh, Washington Street. Mm Mm-hmm. So there are other arts buildings, but those are the ones in fab zones, sorry, fab districts. Yeah. And we are connecting the dots so people see the big picture and why when we're talking about arts advocacy and we're talking about arts, preventing arts displacement through that advocacy, it really isn't parcel by parcel in Somerville. It is the whole, because if one fab building falls, if one zoning change happens, the likelihood of another zoning change is certainly much higher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh, if you allowed it over here, why aren't you allowing it over here? Can we also explain why the city or city councilors or just people, what are, there are some benefits to redevelopment and, you know, they're not the bad guys. It's just kind of what's happening. And no, whether you're good or bad depends on whether you do good or bad things. (laughs) It's not about the, the title. It's, to be clear, this isn't like a, an anti-development, anti-municipality podcast. This is about, you know, making sure we get it right. If there are, if there are going to be changes, they have, we have to get it right. So, for example, when I gave my, uh, when I testified at the public hearing, you know, I, I actually think I didn't even speak for or against. I just said why we needed to keep it fab and that 
was because we need to keep the ACE requirement in place on that property for Washington Street Arts Center's sake. We also need to keep it on there because we need to have leverage if there's ever a development for CBA purposes and beyond. And at the end of it, I said, I just want everybody to know that as a member of Art Stays Here, we reached out to the property management company to have a conversation because we believe that there's room to do things that both sides are going to be happy about. Mm -hmm. Um, Still haven't heard back, hopeful that I do at some point. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the goal here is that if there's going to be development on a fab parcel and, you know, if people are going to start saying, oh, well, now all of a sudden we do want science and we do want housing on the fab zone parcel, I'm not going to be like all up in arms about that. But what I am going to say is, that's fine. That's great. Like, why not create a flex building that can do more than just one thing? The issue here is making sure that the arts and creative economy, which is what the base zoning is all about, is adequately represented in that new development. And, uh, you know, I've heard talk about like, well, it's not going to be, you know, we have to manage like our expectations here because, you know, one development isn't a magic bullet to save, you know, the arts and creative economy of the entire city of Somerville. We can only do so much. It's like, yes, 100%. We can only do so much. We have to be the magic bullet for that parcel. So that parcel has requirements. For we the have arts. to do the most right by arts in every parcel. When it comes to the fabrication district, if we believe that the zoning ordinance was good and it should be stuck to and like the people that worked really, really hard to get it to pass, like if we if we support that work and we take it seriously, if we want to be serious actors in this conversation, then we have a duty to make sure that whenever there's variances or developments that bring in other uses, that the arts aren't the thing that aren't suffering as a result. It's not like if there's a mid-rise or a high-rise or a residential development, we're not going in there and demanding arts uses. You know, it's like it's a you know that's a neighbor, that's a residential or that's a that's a commercial. Well, and both both can be done. You can make some changes that don't make a detriment to the arts. Exactly, and and the thing is, I also think that in these other. Uh, zoning categories where they're not centered on arts, there is a conversation to be had, especially when there's an ACE requirement for the arts in those. I'm just saying, if the base zoning is fab, just respect the base zoning and make sure that the proposal does right by that intent and purpose as written in the Somerville Zoning Ordinance. It's not an unreasonable request. It makes sense. And by all means, if we can solve some affordable housing issues and we can get some progressive science companies in there too, let's go. It just can't be one or the other. It just can't be like we're just taking that 2% of the Somerville zoning map that's for arts and creative economy. Yeah, we're just going to take all that. <laughs> Come on. We're not going to let you. Yeah. I mean, I'm mind you, I'm smiling right now. Just so you all know, I'm, <laughs> I'm using my smiling voice. <laughs> well, I also want to point out that we had a couple of pretty interesting conversations over the last week with statewide agencies. So not just folks that are just in Somerville, but across the state. And of course, the topic was Somerville Fabrication District and ACE requirements, because that's the hot topic right now. And both of these state agencies were like, this is, Somerville is actually the example. It's actually the hero. So you talk about the unsung hero that is the fabrication district. Somerville is the unsung city. And talking about how to do more at the municipal level, city by city, for arts space, the state and people around Somerville are looking to Somerville to be that leader, to fly the flag, and to, uh, we even talked about a regional campaign trying to get other cities to adopt fabrication and ACE. 
another reason why we have to be on top of this collectively as a city because people are watching and the promise of the fab district is real it's recognized outside of our city and you know they're they're rooting for us to get it right and you know they want to see what's working and what's not working about it so that they can do better and then who knows maybe that Somerville will learn something from somebody who tries to do a different version of it in the future and adopt the improvement and it can just be this upward climb of success for zoning and arts and you know beyond well let's also explain to listeners why development can be good and it brings jobs it brings business it can bring housing it brings tax revenue it brings financial opportunity to cities. And knowing that these two new T-stops were coming, we should know that development is coming. I mean, we also know it just because it's everywhere. And the thing that is different is that now there is an arts advocacy element that is organizing artists and musicians and creatives and supporters all over to educate them to say, here's how you can participate and make an impact, and to try to have a voice at the table. And that's what Don't F With Fab is all about. It's trying to take this giant cluster that you need either a master's degree in planning or a full-time job in advocacy to try to navigate, understand, unpack, engage with, and participate no one has the time for it. It is really hard to explain some of this stuff. I would say advocacy is not part of anyone's uh, DNA. Very few people. It takes a lot of time and it goes on for a lot of time. So what can we tell our fellow artists, sector, why they need to learn and how important it is? Right now, it seems like, you know, you and I are at the table and we have a circle of advocates with us on this journey, Boston, Cambridge, Somerville, you know, and even beyond. Um, But in terms of like the Somerville issue, the fabrication challenge that we're facing right now, I think we saw that we successfully brought a lot more people to the table through the Don't F with Fab campaign and the work of Art Stays here over the years. Like we've we managed to bring a lot of people to the conversation to the table for 321 Washington Street. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that that was enough people? Do we have enough engagement right now? I don't know that there could ever be enough, but it's more than none. It needs to keep growing. If it was just asking folks, show up to one meeting, people will do it. If it's just, you know, click here and sign a petition, people will do it. The lower the lift, the more people will do. But a lot of this changes every single conversation and you have to kind of stay on top of it for a long time and that's a big ask so you know we have some people we need more people it would be great if we could kind of divide up people so that not everyone had to learn everything and not every person had to participate in every way and you know we had this great community meeting last week at warehouse 11 thanks peggy and it was a very short presentation where we explain stuff and then people broke out into like sign making stations and button making stations and sign the petition stations and make a video testimonial um the thing here is to educate the public on why arts matter and if you talk about why arts matter then we also have to what goes with it is you need space to do it 
and that we need affordable space to do it. And also that it doesn't just happen, that we have to choose to make it happen. And we have to choose to make the people who are holding all the strings to make it happen. Okay, so in a couple of weeks, there's going to be a Community Benefits Agreement Summit hosted by the USNC. What is that? It's an opportunity for the neighborhood to come in, or even like for anyone in the city to come in and say, this is what we need from the Community Benefits Agreement with this developer who's developing this piece of land over here. How are we going to educate the public about all the things in time for March 12th and get them there? Well, we're going to do some of the stuff we already do, which is our regular campaigning. And this is an argument. We know it happens if we don't show up. Mm-hmm. If we don't show up, we get displaced. Mm-hmm. End of the story. Yeah. So we show up. And I mean, I think that the folks running the land use meeting last week were pretty surprised that 50 people show up to testify on a Thursday night. We care. Uh, Somerville cares. Artists care. Art supporters care. And it's worth showing up. So here's a different question. So what's going to happen at that summit? They're going to collect a public response and, and basically say at the end of the night, these are the issues that people in this room cared the most about. So what I take that as is an open invitation for anyone listening who lives in Somerville to come to that summit. You can check the website, don't F with fab to learn more and come and show up and say what you want. And what we as a sector think we need, and this has been uh, through different data sources, through the Metropolitan Area Planning Council, the Somerville Arts Council, uh, the Record Code, different uh, folks collecting data over the past uh, couple of years, is that we kind of need more of everything regarding art space. The thing that the data shows the most, affordable monthly music rehearsal which uh, we have lost in Somerville. I mean, we've lost across the region, but also in Somerville. You know, there's a need for gallery space. There's a need for individual artist studios. There's a need for uh, bigger rehearsal space, like for dance and theater and, you know, things like that. So people need to show up and say, I'm an artist. I need affordable, long-term workspace. Don't F with fab. And there's a number of ways you can do it. You can show up to the summit. You can look on our website. There's a advocacy toolkit that tells you how to make a video testimonial, which you can do on your own iPhone and email it over. You can sign the petition, which is just fill out your name and click here. Yes, I support. You can write a letter to the city council. There's a, a lot of things you can do. You can also volunteer with us at Art Stays Here. Just reach out. So people can be as involved as they want to be, as they have time for. If you have one hour, great. If you have 10 hours, greater. But we know what happens if we don't participate. Mm -hmm. I would say that one of the challenges that I see here is I don't think the urgency and the scope is really being felt yet. It is amongst the abutters and the immediate neighborhood, but I don't think it's being felt as urgent and as gigantic as it is amongst the arts and creative sector. So here's the point about music monthly rehearsals. Like, yeah, Like, that's what the data shows. That's what your two eyes see when you just look at the landscape of the area. So the data bears that out and the vibe just by looking around and seeing what kind of art space exists and doesn't exist. That's, that seems to be, they they seem to be aligned, the data and the, and the anecdote. Um, Now, the question is, it's like, you know, if you don't do anything, you know, the displacement will happen, right? So it's like, you know, yes, we're saying 
you know, do what you can. Don't over, be overwhelmed. But at the same time, I think that it's kind of like it's time to light a fire and like maybe challenge your comfort level right now because this is so big and it's happening now. Like the conversations are happening now. They're not happening next week. They're not happening, you know, in a month. Like the information you like start learning today, yesterday. And, you know, I want to say, yes, it is a marathon, not a sprint. But the thing is that you still have to move to do the marathon. So, yeah, don't burn yourself out. Don't go crazy. Don't pull your hair out. But you do have to lace up the sneakers and get on the road. And also... It's easier if you bring a friend. It's way easier if you bring a friend. Or two. I, I, I have a lot of friends, thankfully, but I'm okay with having more. So the other thing is, how do we make sure that people are asking for enough? You know, so here's what I mean by the scope of this thing and, what, and the magic bullet for that parcel. A parcel has potential based on the zoning code. You get, like you said, four floors. Okay. Let's say there's only two floors there right now. Okay. So there's the current situation. And then there's the, if we just build according to the zoning code situation, and then there's the whole, we want to build something bigger and we want to put a whole bunch of extra uses in there. Like scenarios. There's three scenarios. One, leave the buildings as they are Two, build to the letter of the code or three, get zoning text amendments and change the get variances and build bigger buildings. All right. Now, to the arts and creative sector, I say to you, how much is enough to say yes to these variances? There's a, there, it's a number. It's a math equation. It's not a, it's not, I don't think, yes, there's a philosophical element to it. Yes, there's like a values set surrounding this conversation, but it's also simple math. It's just square footage and saying, this is what fabrication allows Four floors, this much has to be a space. If you want to do more than that, I'm open to hearing your ideas about A, what you want to do that's more, and B, how you make sure that the fabrication district and the ACE uses in there satisfy the community benefits part of this conversation. So while it's true that we do need monthly music rehearsal space, I would also say we don't need monthly music rehearsal space to the tune of 1.2 million square feet, right? I'm not saying that that's how much art space needs to be built on any particular parcel or anything. I'm just saying, what's the right amount to say yes to a zoning variance? And don't, don't be afraid to ask too big. So if you were sitting at a USNC, Union Square Neighborhood Council, CBA, Community Benefit Agreement Summit, what kinds of things could or should artists ask for? An increase in a space beyond the minimum requirement. Um, also purpose-built a space. So for example, the music rehearsal, you know, performance spit rehearsal space, like that has like a sound mitigation thing, right? So they, when you build that, you're going to have to build the right environment, right? So different disciplines have different needs architecturally, right? So Meaning that, sound reinforcement. So for music studios of any kind, yeah, sound reinforcement, soundproofing. So purpose-built, in perpetuity, and affordable, long-term, on a bigger scale than what's required because you're going to be building more than what's allowed by the zoning ordinance. There's probably a money reason for that, which is fine. Make your money, do your thing, 
but don't do it at the expense of the arts community who already gives enough and doesn't get paid enough in return, right? It's not an unreasonable request. So before Art Stays Here came on the scene, which was some development has already happened, there is some vacant A space in Somerville right now. And what we wish is that if we had been at the table, we could have participated in what that space looked like, who it was going to serve, how it was going to function, its level of affordability and its level of long term. So when we're talking about arts and cultural space, we want to make sure that we're talking about affordable, which of course is a whole conversation, and that it's long term. Because if it's not long term, then it's not protected it's not useful it's not so here's the thing right it's like you're talking about like if it's not long term it's not protected if you don't own it it's not protected right it's all at risk and it's all a risk and what i mean by that is that everything is happening right now 321 washington street is happening right now the parcels right next to this building that development conversation is happening right now the one surrounding joy street across town that conversation is happening right now it's all at risk And dipping our toes into this water is a risk because we don't know what the outcome is going to be. And the thing is, is that, you know, is it a calculated risk? Is it a necessary risk? All the modifiers that you hear about talking about with risk, it's like it almost doesn't matter because it's all at risk and it's all a risk. And the more security that the, the, the way to find more security in this is more people showing up. That's the only way I think I will feel comfortable at the end of this is if more people show up and we're seeing more and more every time mm-hmm. it is growing, but I think that it might be growing too slow for my comfort, given how immediate the conversations are. And I know like, you know, there's rules about never rush a negotiation and I get that, but you have to be in the negotiation to not rush it. And I'm, my fear is that there's not enough people currently in the negotiation. Mm-hmm. We're in the negotiation. The the immediate advocates around us are in the conversation. Union Square Neighbor Council and the artists. There are people in the conversation, but we need more sooner Mm -hmm. because it's happening now. Mm -hmm. All of it. So if you think that other people are taking care of it. Don't assume that. (laughs) Which means you got to come take care of it. And, you know, we'll we'll help you. We'll teach you. We'll train you. Um, You know, we only joke that it's an arts army. You know, you don't have to put on your boots and <laughs> go to boot camp or anything but it it's pretty simple you know you do a b c and d and change can happen and these are the facts the more people that show up the more the people that are in charge see that and especially if you're a registered voter in somerville then your elected officials are going to see that and guess what you're an actual constituent you voted you know for city council you voted for mayor uh you have a voice and you can use it. Yeah. Even the people that aren't registered voters here, if you work here, you have a voice, especially if you work in Union Square. Because mm-hmm. the Union Square Neighborhood Council has your back. Mm-hmm. So it really is an all hands on deck. The conversation really is happening now. I don't mean to like alarm people or startle people, but it's the fact of the matter, you know? And if the whole thing is like, oh, I don't want to rush. So it sounds so important. Well, if we get everybody in the room and there's 200 artists in the room saying, slow down then we can say slow down. But if there's not enough people in the room saying slow down, then it's going to keep going at a, at a clip and it's just going to happen on its own. 
And then we'll have 25-story buildings and all then, around and, us. And, and, we, and, and we won't have affordable arts workspace in perpetuity, purpose-built to the discipline it needs, et cetera, et cetera. These developments are going to happen. So we can also say some people have lost. So, you know, the artists at 119 Braintree Street in Austin, you know, they've lost. They're getting displaced. Yes, they have some relocation money, and that's great, but they're losing their space, and they can't find another one like it. Yeah, yeah. And they The win wasn't big enough, unfortunately. And it was a win, but it well, wasn't big enough. Well, and they can't move as a group, so they're mm-hmm. losing their community. Um, Devastating. The Sound Museum, yeah, we found an interim space, but the community is scattered scattered and who knows what's going to happen long term even though advocacy work is helping we need to preserve the spaces Mm -hmm. that that's what we need to know it's like it's not about another space it's not about relocation money it's preserve what you have because there's organic naturally occurring communities (laughs) in these buildings yeah it's what makes the buildings so special it's what makes it so devastating when they go away because you're taking communities and tearing them apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, for folks who want to tune into our arts displacement causing trauma and how to deal with it episode, we have one of those too. I'm dealing with it by showing up at these meetings and writing these letters and doing this advocacy work. And I hope others join. And, you know, I do want to say that there's other work that Art Stays Here is doing on behalf of everyone. We are talking to state agencies and lawmakers and we are trying to deal with things statewide long term in terms of policy but by the time policy gets created or adopted that will take a really long time and we have to deal with hair on fire right now Mm. and the hair is on fire all over Somerville and um, when you listen to another episode that we're about to record which is unpacking the MAPC Somerville Arts Risk Assessment Report We've known this for years. Yeah. And it was seeable. It was... It was foreseen. And it is now happening. Mm -hmm. And we are late, but we must rise up. We're not as late as some of the other situations. If we can rally and get in there now, it'll be, what, the skin of our teeth, right? Mm -hmm. That's the phrase. So you could listen to part one of deconstructing the fabrication zone in Somerville. This was part two. Thank you, Ethan. And you can learn more about the Don't F with Fab campaign at the website, don'tfwithfab.org. You can read a whole bunch of academic reports. You can watch a video. You can see recordings of meetings. You can learn uh, how to make a video testimonial, write a letter, participate, etc. And we dare you. Don't F with Fab. Thanks for listening to the Art Stays Here podcast series, Culture Crisis Conversations. You can listen to all of the episodes from our website, artstayshere.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our partners, New Alliance Audio, New Alliance East, and The Record Co. And thank you for the funding from Boston's Mayor's Office of Arts and Culture. Join the movement at artstayshere.org.